Good evening and welcome to this edition of The Heart Podcast. My name is Alistair Lindsay. With me is Dr. Robert Radka, who is the first author of a paper recently published in Heart entitled Endothelial Function in Contemporary Patients with Repaired Coarctation of the Aorta. This nice paper looks at the mechanisms for hypertension in patients with repaired coarctation of the aorta and challenges the findings of a lot of previous research in this area. I'm delighted to speak to Robert now. Good evening. Good evening. Well, thank you very much for your submission to Heart, which we were very pleased to accept and and publish, because it addresses a really quite interesting clinical question that we don't really have an answer for yet, which is in patients with coarctation of the aorta that is repaired, they seem to be more prone to developing hypertension. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the current thinking as to why that might be? Sure. In a good clinic, we see many patients with coarctation of the aorta who have been operated upon or treated by catheter interventions early in life. But as you know, and as you said, these patients are not cured in any way. There's a significant increase in cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. Um, some patients have associated lesions. Some develop recoarctations, some aneurysms. But um, one of the main problems is actually um, arterial hypertension, which uh, about uh, 50% of patients um, develop um, in the age group, or age group of 30 to 40 years old, even without any residual coarctation. And um, it's now known that coarctation of the aorta might not be just a narrowing of the descending aorta, but uh, more a systemic cardiovascular disorder. And the exact mechanisms have been um, under um, a lot of research recently. And endothelial dysfunction is an important component in the development of cardiovascular disease in general. And uh, a number of previous studies in patients after coarctation repair, proposed it as a key player in the development of arterial hypertension. And uh, this impairment has been described with and without evidence of increased blood pressure, and it has also been related to patient age at operation. So this has led to the hypothesis that endothelial dysfunction may not simply be the result, but partly the cause of the absence of recoarctation. Some studies have shown biomarkers with endothelial dysfunction uh, to be increased, even in normal tensive patients. It's kind of difficult to actually um, get the big picture. And when you look at these studies in detail, it becomes more obvious that these results may be due to difference in patient populations and treatments. But to make it even more complicated, they were using multiple different methods and markers. And the question is, are they really comparable? And um, do our contemporary patients actually have any form of endothelial dysfunction? Yes, so that sounds very convincing, Robert. So although this hypothesis is there that endothelial dysfunction may well be the cause of all these problems, from the literature there are such heterogeneities in the way the studies have been done that you felt it was worth looking at this further. Have I got that correct? Exactly. We compared all the the different methods that were used and we found that actually it was kind of hard to to find uh, two studies that employed the same mechanisms. And so we kind of dug into the different possibilities that you could actually use to get um, a bigger picture on the possibility of endothelial dysfunction. Okay, great. So let's talk a little bit now about how you decided to investigate this because I, I like the fact that you looked at things at a molecular through to a cellular through to uh, almost a clinical level. So there was a nice scope in your project of looking at how these mechanisms interact. Can you tell us a little bit about the techniques you use to look at vascular function? Sure. Well, to start out with, our hypothesis was actually that, of course, we would find endothelial dysfunction, and we were interested in finding out the exact mechanism 
of this endothelial dysfunction in, in our patients. And um, so we chose um, a kind of big panel of uh, different tests and I could categorize these a bit to give you a better idea of what we looked at. Um, there are measures of vascular function, measures um, of endothelial progenitor cells and biomarkers of inflammation. Let's start with vascular function. Assessment of endothelial function has originally focused, of course, on the invasive measurements of coronary epicardial vasoreactivity. It's a gold standard, but of course not feasible if you're not planning a cath in all your patients. The most recognized non-invasive methods focus on dilation of peripheral arteries, and these two are um, flow-mediated dilation, FMD, and peripheral arterial tonometry, PAT. So measuring FMD works with brachial artery ultrasound. It's quite a demanding technique, and it requires a considerable amount of operator training and experience, but it has been widely used in many studies. Lately, though, it has been criticized to lack standardization. The protocols and parameters and interpretation of these results have been quite heterogeneous, and um, this complicates the comparability of the outcomes. A newer method to measure reactive hyperemia is PAT, which measures the increase in arterial blood volume in the fingertips. It's a commercially FDA-approved unit that's really simple to set up, and it has a standardized protocol. As a matter of fact, the measurements and data analysis are pretty much automated, and they have a really good reproducibility. So for this vascular function, we um, chose to use PET um, instead of FMD. So the next level would be endothelial progenitor cells. The endothelial function is, of course, influenced by um, a balance of endothelial injury on one side and endothelial recovery on the other side. And these circulating endothelial progenitor cells, short EPC, from the bone marrow, they replace the injured endothelial cells. So it makes sense that the number of EPCs relates to the endothelial function and uh, clinically to cardiovascular risk. An impairment of these endogenous repair mechanisms could have been the reason for endothelial dysfunction in coarctation patients. So that's why we quantified the number of these cells. Okay. And in terms of your inflammatory analysis? We looked at pro-inflammatory cytokines such as uh, IL-6, IL-8, and MCP-1 because these may impair endothelial function by reducing nitric oxide synthesis, and they increase the production of adhesion molecules leading to vascular inflammation. And um, they have been used in some studies, and uh, they have been also used for cardiovascular risk production. And increased levels of these biomarkers have been previously described in patients after coarctation. So we measured these markers to test whether increased inflammatory injury might be involved in our patients as well. Okay, so a very widespread, comprehensive way to analyze there, which is very impressive. And you had a, a group of coarctation patients and you had a, a group of control patients. The coarctation patients, were they relatively standardized? Did they have repairs around about the same age or was there quite a widespread? Well, the median age at uh, repair was seven years, plus minus six years. And um, as you said, we studied uh, 20 coarctation patients and 22 healthy controls. But it was notable that um, about half of the patients actually had arterial hypertension and were um, using antihypertensive medication. So looking at the, at the results, of course, the, the two groups were um, uh, no difference in age or BMI or gender, and none of the patients or controls had a history of coronary artery disease or stroke. The mean ambulatory blood pressure was comparable. Systolic pressure was slightly higher, but um, not much. And then we looked at the different methods that, that, that I just referred to. So first of all, the PAT, vasoreactivity, we found no clinically significant differences in the endothelial function between patients and controls. 
which was kind of surprising. And then we tried to divide patients in different groups with early versus late surgical repair, looking at um, various age cutoffs, but um, we could not find any significant differences. And this was also found with the circulating um, progenitor cells. They did not significantly differ between patients and controls. And again, we tried to find different groups um, looking at normotensive and hypotensive patients, but there was no significant difference to be found. And finally, inflammatory markers, the serum levels did not show a significant difference between patients and controls. And all in all, we found no compelling evidence of endothelial dysfunction in our treated contemporary cohort. Yes, so that's very interesting because obviously, as you were saying at the beginning, it goes against a lot of the previous work on this topic. I guess one thing we have to bear in mind here is that the sample size is is relatively low. Is that something that you're looking to expand now, perhaps to look at these phenomena in a larger group? Yeah, of course. That's that's one of the the questions you have to ask yourself. Are you confident in your negative results? And um, well, looking at the measurements, uh, the measurements of the EPC levels and the inflammatory markers, um, they were performed by researchers that have done these sort of things um, a lot and also as part of previous studies, so that we're very confident with that. PAT was experienced uh, personnel that did these things, but um, of course, um, the, the number of, of patients is relatively low, but if you compare to other studies in these patient groups, not that low. And... Um, in the end, um, it was um, quite a lot of studies to be done, so um, a lot of work and kind of hard to simply um, expand these, these uh, numbers by a factor of 10, but of course that would be wonderful. The power um, calculation was, was okay, but of course um, you'd feel more confident if you had even more patients, and that would probably be something that we should look into in the future. But let's look to the future and let's say you, you carry out the study in a, a larger group of patients and you find the same result, then obviously that's, that's very significant. And what other mechanisms should we perhaps be thinking about or looking to investigate if we are trying to treat this clinical phenomenon of hypertension in repaired coarts? When we were looking at the results, we had to think about why would those uh, markers be negative? Um, we totally expected them to, to show what other studies have shown. And we thought of um, different explanations how this was possible. One explanation was that maybe our patients were too good. In some regards, the patients in our study um, may represent uh, the better end of the spectrum. The mean age at surgery in our population was seven years. Well, some have shown evidence for endothelial dysfunction in even younger patients, but um, others have described um, like a cutoff of nine years at the age of operation where patients would not have um, endothelial dysfunction. And also, if you look at the uh, left ventricular mass of our patients, only 10% had a ventricular hypertrophy. So this kind of points to a pretty good stage that they're in. Another um, possible explanation would be that um, our patients were just really well treated. You know, um, a preserved endothelial function um, would be consistent with what others have found, but our patients were in 50% uh, were hypertensive. But in all these patients, antihypertensive treatment um, resulted in good blood pressure control, and it had been initiated at least three years prior to our measurements. So it might be possible that um, early and effective treatment may have prevented peripheral vascular uh, damage and myocardial damage in these patients. Absolutely. And I think that's a phenomenon we're probably going to see more and more often as preventative medicine grabs a hold, particularly in this congenital heart disease cohort. 
Well, Robert, thank you very much for talking us through the findings. I have to say this is a very nice mechanistic paper and shows that even negative findings, when studied very comprehensively like this, can be highly informative. And uh, thank you very much for submitting it to heart. Sure, it was my pleasure.